Hello and welcome to DIY EV Chat, a new season's probably the wrong word, but a new set of episodes where I'm interviewing the people who've built their own electric cars at home, or in this case, the people who help us all to make it happen. And I've had people like Chris from Zero EV on before. I've had Damien McGuire on before. I've had Johannes on before. And this time I've got Tom Debris. And if you're familiar with the Simp BMS um, battery management system, then you'll know Tom or at least his name or his handle from one of the forums. So welcome, Tom. Thank you for having me. So let's start with one of the usual questions, which is, what's your background? I, how have you got the skills to be building a battery management system? Uh, so for me, I, I tend to pursue certain interests, like to a point where I want to know everything. <laughs> uh, so it, it started in u back at university, like back in 2010, I'd say, when I got, yeah, of course, I'm an automotive engineer, like by university degree. Uh, but I specialized in electronics. Right. And that quite quickly, because, yeah, that's where the world was headed back then already. And it was quite clear. Electric vehicles were something I was getting into at the time. And that, like, the one thing started piling on to the other, uh, where I was able to do a specialization in an electric vehicle. Like, the first time they ran the course in 20, was it 2012? Wow. i done my dissertation degree at an EV startup doing simulation and design of EV powertrains. So it's literally like right out of uni, that was the thing I wanted to do. You come straight into it. And um, where did you sort of come across the EV conversion community? Was that, you know, was that in that startup or was that afterwards? Like, where did you get sort of sucked into this process? I would say the internet. Like, you start Googling for things. And of course, one of the first things you start coming up with is different forums like the DIY electric car forum or like the whole e-bike community and from there you start seeing different people talking to different people uh, and I believe was it 2012 or 2011 is when I found Johannes with his open inverter project and I bought a kit from him because I wanted to build a, a small electric moped just because that is the easiest let's say access into building something that's electric. How did you get on? Uh, I've, because I was at the time in university learning about CAD, so I did like I designed everything from scratch. Uh, with all the troubles that come with that, is it was everything was bespoke. So I ended up having an inverter on a bench with a battery, spinning a motor, and then I finished university and had to get a real job. So I lost the workshop space that was at my parents uh, and worked on the other side of the country. So let, let's plot that path a little bit, because it's been an interesting career path. You've touched on a, a few places that people know. W where did you go after university? So you mentioned you went and did a project at an EV startup? Yeah, correct. In Holland, or the Netherlands, where I went to university and where I'm from, uh, there is a couple of there were a couple of small businesses at the time. There was one business that was clearly focused more on, let's say, the commercial small scale doing or having come from that business was a let's say a, a startup that came out of another business that went bankrupt uh, but they were focused on doing like tens to 50 uh, cars at a time uh, and that business was looking to expand looking to grow as all small businesses are yeah so i was was it the third person to join as an engineer uh, so it was do a lot of different things because that's what excites me that's Just the joy of startups. With, 
<laughs> yes, doing all the various aspects of projects, uh, from specification requirements down to designing hardware, and everything in between. Uh, so yeah, that that was a good journey, I would say. However, it being a startup and it being a let's say, a pre- I'd say a bit premature for most people mm. and organizations to embrace electric vehicles back in 2013, 2014, that was not long. And in 2014, I had to go look for other work. And where did you end up then? So it gets kind of diluted because for me, it was quite clear where my passion was. So I wanted to chase my passion. I didn't want to settle for, oh, I'm going to work for a big name company in the Netherlands, just doing some desk job. I think that's that's very brave, only that far out of university or out of that bit of university anyway. Yes, yes, but it was for me it was quite clear that making money wasn't my driver to finding a job <laughs> uh which i'd say that i'm very fortunate to be in the position where i've been able to do that yeah uh, so i've gone to a, again a smaller engineering firm doing all sorts of projects from lmp one cars all the way to airships and everything wow. in between however being hired at the time on a project for a russian client when the ruble crashed wasn't a good thing because I was ha- I had to be let go, uh, and then I I ended up working doing 12 volt or 24 volt wiring for commercial trucks, and running uh, let's say doing a whole new line of vehicle development with them, and doing all the let's say the installation, the CAD design, the drawings, and the supply communications uh, for what was it two two and a half years? I'm building a team around that. Wow. Uh, but Again, that wasn't my passion. So it was something that wasn't close enough to what I enjoyed. So it got boring after a while. And through the business I was working for, I got a opportunity to go work in Sweden. Uh, what time? That probably been 2016. That's when, hard to turn down. Yes. Uh, Saab had gone bankrupt, was bought out by, was it? It wasn't Geely, but another no, big was, Chinese. Um... Oh, S-A-I-T-C, was it? Yeah, yeah, one of those. Yeah. Like, it was, the plan was they buy Saab. They use the 9.5 as a basis to do electric taxis. Huh. So, and the company that spawned under that was N-E-V-S. And I went over there to do the, what do you call it, like, the com- com- conversion, the commercial conversion of the petrol car to an electric car focused on the electrical architecture side of things and then laying out the architecture defining all the wiring all the options etc but that again was something i'd done it because it was closer to where i was trying to get to but not close enough Uh, it was very much again a desk job behind the computer just yeah inputting data and making software do stuff which isn't as exciting as it i wanted it to be sure uh so at the same time, I was applying for jobs in Germany, uh, jobs in the UK, and eventually got a offer to come work for Aston Martin in 2016, end of 2016. And so I, I grabbed that because it was quite clear there was a, a lot of flexibility in my role right? or potential flexibility in my role. Uh, so I moved to the UK in the end of 2016. Wow. And, and when amongst all this, when did Simp BMS come about? Uh, Simp BMS was, let's say, it was starting to like become something in 2016, 
2015, 16, I'd say, where the interest started to like get down to, I want to make something. I always want to make something. So it came down to talking to different people and interacting on the forums. People keep having the same sort of question of how do I reuse this part or how do I reuse that? And in 2015 is when I really started to dive back into coding, I would say, and teaching myself PCB or taking what I learned from uni and had been shelled and like relearning, learning new software and learning how to yeah, code microcontrollers, write programs, design PCBs and really get stuck into that. And luckily because of that, I would say that gave me a very big opportunity in yeah, applying for different jobs because of the say the non-direct experience I had mm. where it was like side projects that I was able to share my portfolio and people still understood the value of having an interest in something and pursuing it uh, so I joined up with a gentleman in the Netherlands who around that time was looking to also change his job uh, from a, a contract engineer or an engineering job to a self-employed job where he wanted to focus on stationary batteries and reusing of existing battery modules. Okay. And then through him and his connections, uh, we've gathered more and more information that led to me building the first prototypes for him. Just a simple, like I'd say the version one where it was literally through whole components and just everything practically on a perf board. You got to start somewhere. Yes, exactly. And you quite quickly, in the end, I've gotten into the habit where it becomes, I will prove out certain concepts with as much existing hardware as I have, and then modify that hardware. There's no point starting from absolute zero. Yeah, and you see that a lot. I mean, the number of times I see the same... Uh, sort of voltage regulator sort of you know, set up just copied and pasted between boards and designs exactly yeah like once once i learned on the first few it was quite quickly that's why the final simp bms or let's say the simp bms that currently is designed and was being sold before the chip shortage was the v2.4 and the reason why the version 2 had to iterate was again chips becoming difficult to source or connectors becoming difficult to find and just having to make those slight tweaks to the designs. But right now, the microcontrollers can't be bought, so that's why the Simp BMS stock has mostly disappeared. There's one distributor in the US who's currently still got some, but it was down to his own. Let's say he scrounged around to get the parts he (laughs) needed to finish it and just bought the bare PCB for me. Wow. So you mentioned distributors there. That's how you've sort of taken it out to market. Where I mean, where did it get to? Because... It seems pretty universal. I mean, obviously, you can go and buy an Orion BMS or something like that, but you know, so many people in the DIY community are using Simp. Like, when did it start to take off? Uh, So, before I'd say, because I was focused on progressing my career through Aston Martin in 2016, 2017, and 2018, uh, for me, it was quite clear that this is a side. Right now, that for me was a side project. Sure, it was evening uh, or vacation time whenever i had time weekends and there it was more focused around also supporting the gentleman who helped me get into this uh when he had feature requests like he wanted to support a different stationary inverter or a communication protocol i could make tweaks on the fly gotcha. uh, 
and at that point I would say it was like 100 units up to somewhere in 2018 and after that it started going like scaling quickly where I'd say I'm over 500 or 600 units shipped uh, to date and so far like the feedback I've been getting from everybody is once the system's working usually that's the hurdle of course people buy it there's a lot of documentation to read through mm. and because it's such a flexible platform and because there's so many applications and possibilities out there, I can't help everybody like physically tell them what to do. That's why my reasoning is if you buy the product and you have reviewed the documentation, any in-depth questions are fine. Any other ones, that's why I use distributors because otherwise I get the same question again and again. Even though you point to a user manual, reading a user manual unfortunately for a lot of people is seen as a big hurdle yes <laughs> so yeah like right now i'd say if i recall correctly i got there's a gentleman in australia who offers my product there's a gentleman in yeah the, the netherlands of course uh there's ev romania or ev shop um there are Second Life EV batteries here in the UK, and there's a gentleman in uh, America who offers my product. Uh, I've, yeah, but because of the shortage and my recent change and so, focusing back on my own business, I've had to yeah, reiterate on everything I've had and come up with a new product lineup. So let's talk about that because you've now, you're now focused on, as you say, your own business. What What's the goal? Uh, the, the goal is uh, to, let's say, take my products to the next level, it is the Simp BMS was clearly filling a, a gap in the market. Mm. Uh, I would say if we look at the same as the open inverter products, that is a gap in the market where everybody wants to achieve something and usually it can be a cost-driven aspect or just a parts need to work together. But it's quite clear historically all the parts were designed to work, let's say, on their own. Uh, there was very little integration involved mm. and that's where products like the Simp BMS and my new products that are going to be coming out uh, will be trying to bridge that gap, be trying to position themselves so you can buy a used component and connect it to a new product and it function as intended. I think it's really interesting. Like there's, there's such a diversity in the market. And and so many gaps still in this growing market from the people who want to just you know, engineer everything, who'll build everything from the ground up. Correct. To yeah. the people who will go and spend, you know, fifteen thousand dollars on a kit from EV West and hope that it works. Um yeah. and I say hope advisedly. Um <laughs> you know and then, then you know, all these people in between and that you know, that ability to whether it's, you know, I think I think it really appeals to people the ability to reuse stuff, and I think that speed of iteration is really important as well. I think what probably appealed to the, your first the guy you partner with initially, the ability of to you know, for someone to iterate quickly when there's new possibilities, yeah. new demands. Yeah, and I'd say that is my core principle. Everything like, I use my distributors because the volume is too big for myself as an individual to take care of mm. and to adequately support people or at least support people to a level I feel required with a product like this. Of course, there's disclaimers and manuals like telling people to, you need to know about the subject because 
no level of engineering and software can make it safe if what you're inherently doing is unsafe or you lack the knowledge to do something safely. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I want to, it's quite clear, I want to focus on what I find interesting and what I feel adds value. And that's where customer support, low level customer support of how do I hook this up is not something I feel like I am the best person for. Uh, it just doesn't make sense for me. And that's why through a distributor, any questions they have or any inquiries that are not, let's say, 100% in line with what the product offers, but it's intriguing enough or interesting enough or I get enough questions for, I always consider adding additional features or supporting additional products uh, through my lineup. I guess that opens up interesting questions about the sort of the open source nature of some of the products because you're now making yes. that shift from you know, from it being a side project to being main focus. Yeah, what are your goals on that front? Because I think people would understand if it's your main source of income, maybe those principles change a bit. True. And that's, uh, I've always been, I would say, quite a contributor to the open source, uh, yeah, especially the open, open inverter, open source uh, ecosystem community. Uh, that started back, was it 2017, when I got involved with uh, Kevin Sharp mm. and Damien, on the Tesla Gen 2 charger. I wrote the software and did the testing to get software out there so people could reuse that charger. Uh, and through that, I built up quite a good communication with uh, Damien and Johannes and others in the community. And I wanted to give back uh, by a way of making the SimpBMS software open source, as in it means that anybody who wants to do something that's different or something that is not in line with my vision or my products can do it by themselves. However, after yeah having shifted back onto my own business and fully being reliable on my own sales, mm. let's say, uh, taking it close, I've decided to take it closed source. However, the Simp BMS product still functions. I'm not taking it down. It's still out there. It's still fully open source. The only thing I haven't open sourced is the PCB design because I feel it didn't add any value. Mm. It isn't, let's say, if you're taking my code and you're modifying my code, I'm expecting you to be able to read the code and take your, yeah, figure out what's connected where. It's sort of, let's say, an idiot threshold <laughs> that where if you can't understand the pinout of the microcontroller you're programming, why are you programming this microcontroller? I think that's a very fair question. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, questions like that arise quite a bit where people ask very, I'd say, basic level questions. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's become, gotten to a point where I've been, helped so many different customer interactions. Certain customers, I get very, let's say, my answers become very short, and I point them to places to get information or get help uh, because I don't want my product ending up in somebody's hands and them doing something dangerous or causing an issue for themselves or others and then trying to blame it back on myself. I think this is a challenge for lots of particularly hardware creators in the sort of the low volume and open source yeah. community and, and particularly in this one where you are dealing with dangerous voltages and you know dangerous Correct. mechanical systems where Correct. you know, you want to put stuff out there, you want to contribute, you want to share your knowledge, but there's a really hard limit to how much responsibility you can take. And I know that Damien faces this issue as well. And 
it's yep. it's it's only make i mean even the, the, the sort of minor contributions that i might be able to make with my limited mm-hmm. knowledge it does make me nervous or you know if i was going to sort of operate as a distributor it, do, it does make me nervous like how you get those you know where those disclaimers sit the legal force that they have and yeah just dealing with that that, that constant inrush of, of questions and comments no correct uh the the main thing that I try to do when inter- interacting with a potential uh, project or a potential customer is evaluating their technical capability or whether they are working with another party that I would deem competent mm. or appears as being competent. You still can't, let's say, you've you got to make a couple judgment calls on that. Uh, however, through questions and giving them a user manual and then depending on what sort of questions start coming back, it's quite quickly whether or not somebody understands the risks mm. and understands let's say the complexity of these systems because it is a very complex system a lot of people tend to over oversimplify things and just go oh i just plug this onto this and it works it's like no it's for example my new products have 90 plus parameters that are user conf- or user or whoever installer configurable yeah. uh, but then again they're 90 plus parameters like putting one of them to a value which is wrong, let's say I'm, I purposely do not limit you to inputting a value in certain fields because who knows somebody might need that different value in that field if it's a different battery chemistry sure. or a different application. Uh, so it always comes down to the product gets shipped to you and you're responsible for installing and configuring it. I can't take responsibility for you wiring up something backwards or something to an incorrect output like there's no way of software protecting against somebody wiring up something wrong mm. and can you give us a sense of what those new products are what what should we be looking looking for expecting yes uh so i kick-started i, I the thing was because previously i was working a a contracting job uh i'd done a lot of work which meant i was four four to five days a week i didn't have time to spend on my products and in january i decided to shift focus again so by march i was fully back onto my own uh, products and developments Uh, and then i started looking let's say what were my goals let's say because i have the bms product Mm. what's the next step and for me it felt like the gap between a bms and the rest of the vehicle is like how does that work together where's the interface layer so I moved to, uh, yeah, selecting a drivetrain. Uh, in this case, it was the first, at least in the UK, the logical one is the Outlander PHEV motors mm. and charging system uh, because, yeah, there's there's a large volume. And low and cost. Relative, <laughs> yes, correct. <laughs> Which is a upside and a downside at the same time uh, because, yeah, they're not valued by the self-assured. No. So the state some of them arrive in or the way they're treated is, yeah, connectors get smashed all the time, Yeah, which makes it even more difficult to work with. Uh, but I was looking around on the forums, looking around on the social media platforms, figuring out who's also looking at this uh, through the Open Inverter Forum and through my uh, other yeah social media presence. I got in touch or I was, somebody reached out to me uh, saw that I was looking at the Outlander stuff and 
uh, yeah, shared some of his findings, and I was eventually able to make it spin on the bench, and had gotten it to a point at that point where I started combining the various Simp BMS plus controlling the motor, everything together into what you could consider a VCU, vehicle control unit, and then looking for a business or a user as a first implementation. So I reached out to the Opto Innovation guys mm. doing their classic mini and seeing that they had been trying to use knowledge and information shared on the Open Inverter Forum, uh, which, of course, if you are capable of doing that, that is a logical thing to do because you might enjoy or you want to learn about programming, coding, but turns out they were struggling, uh, which they have publicly said to everybody also on their, because they were making a small YouTube series, and that sort of also spurred me on to reach out to them and say, I got something I've been working on for a while. Uh, would you guys mind if your first vehicle will run my hardware? And I went up there and was it in two days, we went from testing it on the, let's say, on pallets, on the floor, half of it in the mini to having a driving vehicle or two days of me visiting. Yeah. Let's say it wasn't total two days because uh, those guys built up the car and put everything in the car and done the whole mechanical integration and the wiring loom. Uh, I was just there for the software and the testing. Uh, so, yeah, the, the VCU is running in their vehicle. And I've got a couple of other projects where I got a derivative of the new BMS firmware running, controlling multiple packs together, for example. And I'm working on a, what's it called, R56 Mini. Yeah. Uh, that is getting the Outlander drivetrain and Volkswagen ID3 batteries. Oh, wow. So it's a 52 kilowatt hour pack. In an R56? R56, yes. Uh, and it will be running... I'd say practically the top of the line ecosystem, at least for my products, where it will be the the VCU product, or the it's going to be called the EVS-VCU, together with a uh, CCS system based on, of course, the BMW i3 mm. hardware with, yeah, of course, a controller and various other aspects to make it work and integrate to the rest of the car. Nice. So it's going to be a, I'd say, a very complete uh, build. Yeah, that'd be a cracking project. Um. So, what's the sort of timeline? You're you're now working full time on this. Products are out there. Are the distributors lined up for the for the new product set? Uh, correct. The distributors are now, as we speak, they are looking and reviewing all the information I've shared with them. I'm currently in the works of putting the final touches on, let's say, the V1 of the user manual. Uh, I've identified a few, let's say, first customers or beta customers for the products, including my own projects I'm working on, so just to get more feedback. Uh, but it should be towards the end of the year, we should be able to get the first ones through the distributors to customers. And, and can you tell us about those projects of yours? Are you going to get that uh, that moped up and running? <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so. No, it's still I still have all the random bits just laying around in my garage, but I have, uh, yeah, I'm I'm focused on that R56 getting that one done. Yeah, because it's it's with the business it's being done with the business partner, and that will be my primary let's say evaluation platform. And anything new that I'm working on, I will be testing on that car. 
fantastic. Well, listen, thank you, Tom. Thanks for coming on. Um, thanks for contributing Simp BMS, which has been keeping an eye on my batteries in my car and lots of people's projects that I know. So, um, and, you know, a big thank you to the community for, for putting that out there and, and supporting so many projects, both people who've bought hardware from you and people who've, as you say, have taken the open source software and you know, yes. done something a bit different with it. That's much appreciated. And good luck with the project. Good luck with, with Engivis and the, the new VCU. I can't wait to see that Mini. I'm hoping I'll... Uh, I'll finally get an excuse to take it for a drive at the moment because if you're getting good power out of that Outlander unit in a in a Mini, that should yep. be fantastic. It should be. And thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> Pleasure, Tom. Thanks for watching. Um, they'll be getting a new episode of DIY EV Chat Out. I won't commit to a time frame, but fairly frequently from now on. Um, so please do like and subscribe, share it around, and I'll be sharing more stories of DIY EV creators on both sides of the Atlantic uh, and the people who support the community. Thanks for watching. Bye-bye.